0: We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired.
1: Hey, Stephanie, can you believe that the average mass produced bottle of wine can contain up to 16 grams of added sugar? I know, that's crazy. That's more than a glazed donut. Oof, she kind of grosses me out. (laughs) But anyway, we're so excited because we finally found clean crafted wine that we enjoy, that tastes good, and we don't feel like crap the next day.
0: I am loving these Scout and Cellar wines. We've tried several of the different types and all of them taste good, like Marnie said. And we love the fact that there's no added sugar. They're free of chemicals and pesticides. They're grown with organic grapes and sustainable farming practices. And they have very low sulfites, which are one of the things that can often cause the headaches the next day.
1: And, you know, it's summertime, it's patio season. It's so nice to just get outside. If you enjoy having a glass of wine, um, we are super excited to be part of Scout and Cellar. And we do have our online shop. So you just head on over to www.scoutandcellar.com.
0: That's S C O U T A N D C E L L A R.com slash The Art of Living Well. You can have clean crafted wine delivered to your
1: door. Hello, and welcome to episode 32 of the Art of Living Well podcast. Today's guest is Laura Swartz. Laura is a triathlete who has competed nationally and internationally at amateur world championships three times. She's married and she's a mother to three children, two are in college, and one is in high school. And she also volunteers at various organizations, including Planned Parenthood and the USAT Triathlon Foundation. I'm so happy to have Laura on the show today. I've known her for many years now. Our parents are close friends, our college-age boys were actually in preschool together, and we have many, many friends in common. And although Laura and myself, our paths don't cross that often, I've always really enjoyed talking with you, being inspired by you when I see you, and totally in awe of everything that you're doing athletically. And so it was so fun to have this conversation with you and really dive into what motivates you, being over 50, you know, you talk about why you're still racing, and I just think it's so amazing to hear how intrinsically driven and motivated you are. And um, you motivate me and inspire me to be to do better athletically. So and I'm sure there are many, many others. And I always think about after our conversation about maximizing my own potential. Anyway, super excited to dive in today. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And here we are with Laura Swartz. Thank you, Laura, so much for being here today. We're so excited to have you. Um, and we wanted to start off by sharing with our listeners a little bit about your background and about your journey and how you kind of got started in racing and what made you decide to run your first marathon.
2: Um, so um, first of all, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on your podcast. Um, So I, let's see, back in 94, 1994, (laughs) um, I started running marathons um, as an outlet from a release from work. I found that running was really the best thing for my stress relief, Um, and then I joined Northwest Club Run. For those of you that don't know, Northwest was a a predecessor to Lifetime Fitness, Um, and I loved having a group of people to train with. Um, I thought it was amazing. I made uh, connections and actually met my husband um, in the process of running my first marathon. We were both training for our first grandmas. We met at work, but it was the running that brought us together. I did not know that. (laughs) Yeah. That's a little side story. Yeah. So, um, and I kept telling my friends, at Club Run, that I would keep training until something hurt, and then I was going to stop. And lo and behold, I uh, nothing went wrong, and I did my first marathon, and I was hooked. Actually, truth be told, I didn't do it the next year, and I was not fun to be around. I was cranky, as my then-boyfriend was running
0: it. um, I knew I had to get back into racing, so... So you were hooked right away, but you didn't run your first one for two years, it well, sounds like? Or?
2: No, actually, so I um, I was hooked right away. I ran um, one. Um, sorry, I'm kind of, uh, it's a long time ago. Um, <laughs> we were, uh, I ran Grandma's Marathon in, in 1994, and then I took a year off in 95, probably because of work and stress, but then I found actually that working out was, the stress reliever I needed. Um, and I was a much happier person. So I got back into it, um, ran another one in, uh, I think 96 and then qualified for Boston in 96 and ran it in 97. Um, and then after running a number of marathons, um, my husband got into trying a triathlon and I thought, Oh, that looks like fun. So I recruited my identical twin sister and another club run person and we did a team and we did a triathlon team, a relay, which is a great way to enter the sport. If you are like, Oh, I can run, but I can't swim. Um, but I did it and I thought, Oh my goodness, I think I could do the whole thing. And what a cool challenge that would be. Um, so, but then And I actually, they,
1: to interrupt yeah. you, you probably don't even know this, but I think I kind of met you guys around that time. Oh. I mean, I had known you guys for years yeah. of our parents and whatever, but I ended up doing a, a couple triathlons after hearing more from Missy, because I think I knew her yeah. back then better than I knew you, which is her twin sister. Um, and you guys inspired me to, oh. to go out and do some triathlons. So Jordan and I both did a couple right around that time. Oh, that's great. It's just so funny. Yeah. I haven't done them since, but.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll get you back. (laughs) So um, then, you know, the process of having kids, um, I actually didn't do my, or I shouldn't say process. I was fortunate to have kids. I, after um, I did the relay, I got pregnant with my first child. And so then I didn't complete my First full triathlon on my own till the next summer Um, and then I was really hooked and um, in between having my next two kids I kept racing more for fun and an outlet. Um, I went to spin classes at um, Northwest and that's actually where I met my first swim coach. He was on a spin bike next to me and he coached the St. Louis Park High School team. and he said, I, I can help you swim because there, we can all swim. Right. But then there's learning and efficiency. And I knew I wanted to get better. Um, and some of that is why I do this, or I guess a lot of that is why I do this is that I feel like there's always opportunity. Um, so the racing for me is um, it's about my own goals and being in control and having something to look forward to. And now I, That I've been a stay at home mom. Um, Racing is an outlet for me, still a stress reliever, different, but um, it's an outlet and it challenges me. Um, And my husband could tell you that I could win a race and I'll still analyze it to death as to what I could have done better.
0: (laughs) Well, think of what I'm thinking as a mom. What a great example you're setting for your kids. You know, to have your own thing and to have that competitive drive and to keep wanting to improve and be the best, you know, runner or triathlete or whatever it is you're, you're focused on. Um, And I know you've talked a lot about just, okay, you're, you're 50 or a little over 50. I won't give away your age. No, (laughs) no one would ever know. I'm looking at her right now via zoom, um, that she was even close to 50, but how has age played a role in all this? You know, it's like, you seem to get better and faster and stronger as you age. But yeah. So many people just back shy away from doing anything, especially even competitive or a new sport or a new skill because they think they're they're too old, whatever that means anyway.
2: Right. So I think that's really important is that um I guess I was in my late 30s when I um first got into triathlon. Um and in my early 40s I thought, okay, this is fun, but I I met a coach who um who told me I could do more and um, said, I should go to the US national championships for age grouper, which is, you know, a level below um, elites, but still you're competing against the best in your age group in the country. Um, And I thought how cool that in your forties to think that you're trying something at a new level, um, and uh, so I, I think like to me, age doesn't define you. It um, is an opportunity. I've, I read a lot of books. Um, I'm sitting here next to some of them. One's called Fast After 50. Um, another one, my favorite book, um, and people hear me quoted all the time, is um, Grit by Angela Duckworth. And that's a great just, uh, you know, being gritty and something, um, the question is, are you born with it? Can you learn it? Um, but I think if you're going to start sport after 50, you know, you've got to have a little grit. And, um,
1: and do you think, that, it? do you think you're born with it? Or what is your
2: thought on that? That's a good question. I think, Some of it you are, but I for sure think that you can learn it. And I think actually times like these that we're going through right now, we're all getting a bit grittier, right? Because we have to dig deep to figure out how to get through this and wake up every day and, um, and get done what we need to get done. So it's not, not necessarily fun. It's not easy,
0: but um, hopefully we're all going to come out of it um, stronger. Absolutely. So what's, what are, some, I don't know if it's like mental strategies or what do you use to kind of dig deep and and figure out how to get through it? You know, and I know you talked about having coaches and things like that.
2: Yep. So, um, years ago when I first started running marathons, Harvey McKay wrote an article, um, and I've put it in my various, um, Facebook posts over the year and his, his article was, um, being, uh, let's see, I want to get the quote right, Um, being persistent and determined in the marathon of life. And he had run marathons. And um, I think that for me, I, um, it's a work ethic I've always had, but I think it can be learned too, that you just, you don't give up. It's like teaching your kids that like, you're running the 50 yard dash, you see a kid in front of you, Um, and you think, oh, I'll give up. I'm, I'm not going to win this race. Um, but the kid trips, you know, you still have opportunities. There's always an opportunity. Um, and maybe that wasn't the best analogy, but I think that you never give up. Um, and for me, um, I kind of go deep and I just, um, I know, you know, a lot of coaches will say like, it's going to hurt. So you embrace that pain and use that pain. When I'm nervous and get anxious, I find that actually as a positive um, because I'm able to use that energy um, to move forward.
0: So how do you do that? Because a lot of people, when they feel anxious, shy yeah. away. Yeah. You're, you're shut down, right? And they can't perform. Like they literally yeah. can't.
2: Um, so. You know, it's it's a learned thing, um, and I think that you just you have to learn to lean into it and say, these nerves are what are going to help me um, get through it. I used to say to my sister, "Oh my gosh, I'm not very nervous. It's not going to be a great race." Because I had learned to use that energy and somehow um, embrace it um, and know that, first of all, it's just a race. <laughs> and, um, I'm grading my performance, um, more than anybody else. And, um, and that there's always opportunities to get better. And I think that's what keeps me going too, is that there's always an opportunity and we can all learn from our mistakes. Um, and I see that as the growth potential.
1: So, that's amazing, first of all. And I'm hoping that your kids are, are learning that through <laughs> you. And that's what an amazing role model you've set for them. Um, but shifting gears a little bit, I'm curious about the racing community. Can you talk about that community you're part of? How how um, much of your life is that? And yeah. um, kind of what have you gotten out of that community? Sure. Um, that's been huge, honestly, for me
2: as the community, especially when I stopped working. Um, I used to joke, I, after I, my initial swim coach, I found a master's swim group. Actually, I found, first I found a women's track group through my sister. We met just randomly at um, Washburn Track and ran outside together, pushing each other. Someone wrote workouts. One of the women who was there happened to be a swim coach and ran a master's group. Um, masters being anyone um, out of school, um, and I joined that group. And then I used to call it my ECFE for adults because <laughs> um, love I love that. Yeah, through that group, I let's see, I ended up with a um, college advisor. I ended up with a ACT tutor. Um, three weeks into joining the group or meeting this woman in the group, my house was um, broken into. And at the next swim practice, um, one of the women who I'd only known for three weeks showed up with a bottle of wine and a basket of bread. Um, So it really became this community. Um, Even though we saw each other to work out, we learned a ton about each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And we all have different goals. Some people are just maintaining fitness, some people are nursing an injury, so they're swimming. Some people are swimmers from, you know, four years old and (laughs) collegiate level, and some of us are still learning how to swim better. Um, So that's swimming. Um, You had asked earlier about um, where I work out. I currently am at the Calhoun Beach Club. Um, I tend to use a club in the winter for indoor treadmill running and strength training. Um, I have a bike that's set up on an indoor trainer, um, and I'm part of the Zwift community. Zwift is an online training platform. Um, Can you spell that? Sure. Z is in zebra, W-I-F-T. Oh, Zwift. Okay. Yep. Um, And in fact, I just learned how to race on Zwift, which is pretty fun and kind of giving me that endorphin rush that I need um so biking and i also bike outside in groups i led a bike ride for eric's bike shop for seven years um and when that uh kind of uh evolved into something new i now train with a regular group including my husband uh, for biking and then running a lot of times i like to just go get lost by myself <laughs> and have some knee
1: time
0: yeah absolutely so,
1: so- i Sorry, one second, Stephanie. I have two questions about your training schedule. Um, Are you mostly training with men is one of my questions. And my second question is, how much time per week do you devote to this? Okay. (laughs) Um, So
2: I do find myself training with a lot of men. Um, There are a couple of women who I train with um, in the gym um, and pool. Um, but for riding and running, just so it turns out mostly I train with the guys. Um, and, uh, and as far as triathletes, I, you know, both genders that is, I didn't even get into that community is huge. And we can talk about that in a
1: second. Um,
2: Oh, sorry. The second part of your question.
1: We just like how much of a time commitment is your training? training?
2: Yeah. So I train probably off peak season, which um, so racing is usually done August, September, and then I won't race again till uh, May or June. Um, So in off season, it's probably eight hours a week. Um, And that includes some yoga and strength, um, biking, running, swimming. I tend to mountain bike in the fall. just because the risks are higher of getting injured and I have a whole history of, of that.
0: Um, but,
2: uh, and then in season probably 10 to 14 hours a
0: week. Okay. So it's a pretty big time commitment in, in it season, is. Especially right. It is. And you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that my husband likes
2: to bike and run as well. He doesn't love to swim. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it I try to do early in the morning before the kids, up, they're older teenagers so um that means morning doesn't even... seem <gasps> oops i'm not hearing you
1: are you there i think you froze up for a second uh,
0: oh sorry i'm here no. so Do your kids ever, you have teenagers, it sounds like, do they ever join you? Do they like to run or, you know? Um, Not so much, (laughs) Um,
2: but you know, it's interesting because I'll say to my husband when we were their age, so our our kids are um, 17, 19, and 21. Um, They're all into sports, but different. I have a gymnast, a skateboarder, snowboarder, um, and a tennis player. Although my son, who's 19, does work at Eric's bike shop, so we share that <laughs> love of bikes. Um, but, uh, you know, I didn't really get into running until post-college as a stress reliever. so I kind of feel like I've set the role model, and when they choose to find what works for them, um, I hope that uh, that I've set a good role model for them.
0: Well, I'm sure you have, and I think with you know, Marnie and I both have kids and, and teenagers, and they're not going to do what you do right now anyway. They're trying to pave their own path, and they want to be independent. And right. I think just knowing that you've, you're you setting this good example for them, and you're such um, an amazing role model will take them far, you know, in life and as they get yeah. into adult years. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. And clearly, they're seeing what it's like to work hard. I mean, yeah, to work yeah. for something and work hard for something you love.
2: And And I think, oh, I was just going to say, and I think, you know, I've been fortunate to do well in a lot of these races. And um, so sometimes when I don't, I think it's as important to show them that uh, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And I might be mad and frustrated and go through like the list of things that didn't go my way or I could have done better. Um, But the lesson that I want to show them is I'm picking it up and doing it all over again and working harder and not placing blame on
0: others. Um, And I think those are great life lessons. Oh, absolutely. Um, What, um, what, was you think there's something innate or from your childhood or have you always been this driven and competitive? Sort of a lot of this (laughs) sounds like happened a little bit later in your late 30s where you got into these competitive races. But tell me, tell us a little bit about your childhood early on.
2: Interesting. I was a gymnast growing up um, and we did practice a ton. I mean, I started, oh, probably pre-K and did it through high school um, and I loved it. Um, And I did some coaching. um, But the probably a turning point for me was when my sister made the team and I didn't. And I can't remember. We were probably in elementary school. um, And the coach, uh, when I finally made the team, um, my coach said um, that my sister had natural ability, and but I worked for it. I think by not making it, it was actually, again, it was a blessing because mm-hmm. I learned to work for what I wanted. And I would say by nature, my mom is super competitive. Um, she doesn't love to train, but my dad has that piece. He uh, works hard. He... Um, He did his first triathlon actually at the age of 70. Um, Which is amazing in itself. I
1: think that's so cool. Okay. Okay, Maybe there's hope for me then.
2: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, And I mean, he surprised all of us. He had a fear of swimming and quietly behind our backs took swimming lessons. So um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're never too young to sport or to try a new sport. In fact, I mean, that's what keeps me going, is that sport cha- changes, new sports. Um, a couple of years ago, probably four or five years ago, I um, asked my husband, I said, for Mother's Day, can I have six hours and a hundred bucks? And he looked at me like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, what do you want? And I uh, I wanted lessons up at the Velodrome, a Velodrome in Blaine. And so I took uh, lessons to learn how to race up there and improve my bike skills. So, for me, you know, that was pretty scary. I was turning fifty um, or close to it, and again, trying something totally different. So,
1: is that mountain biking or what is that?
2: No, it's um so the velodrome is sadly now it's closed. It was built for the Olympics years ago, which um, or Olympic training. Um, it is a, it was a wooden track, um, with a slope, a uh, graded sides to it. Um, so it involves, um, learning how to, uh, ride your bike around this track and stay upright. And they, I remember in the first lesson they said, don't worry if you are going over 14 miles an hour, you won't slide down the wall. <laughs> so, um, wow. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So it's just, uh, a different type of riding. Um, and for me, it was really about, um, again, gaining new skills. I was looking not necessarily just to race up there, but to help me as an athlete. Um, mm-hmm. And so some of the other sports I engage in, like um, mountain biking, um, are also to go back and help my triathlon skills. Um, but then I end up
0: Finding a new love of a new sport too so <laughs> yeah well and all that cross training is probably very beneficial yeah too for your body um, So what was it like participating in nationals and then going to Europe for the um, international competition? Um, so talk about nerves
2: thanks <laughs> 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 to a whole new level um, so up until the first time I raced at nationals, I really hadn't traveled. I guess I had traveled out of the state twice for a race, but I really raced locally. Um, just having kids and um, and that's you know something that's important to know that you don't have to do all these big races to call yourself a triathlete. We have some amazing things in our backyard. Mm-hmm. But for me, wanting to take my racing to the next level, um, I decided to go to nationals, um, and it was amazing showing up um first time out there looking around and um you know the interesting thing about triathlon is they write your age on the back of your calf so you're walking around looking at people's bikes at their stuff going are they in my age group Um, and but bottom line is the only thing you can control is what you are doing out there. And so my coach has been great about that, about just saying you're not going to control other people's races. So you focus on you. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, honestly I would have, if you asked me 20 years ago, if I would ever stand on a national podium, I would have said, are you kidding me? Um, but I did have that opportunity a few times to place at nationals and it was amazing. I felt, you know, for me being just, I don't know, I just don't look at myself as that kind of athlete. So it felt like, wow, I'm a part of something really big here. And that was really cool. Um, and then, uh, to be, so if you place at a certain level, you're then selected for team USA. Um, and I qualified, um, a few times and actually um, participated three times, most recently in Switzerland last fall. Um, And that was just amazing. There's nothing like um, coming together with people from all over the world. You're representing your country. Um, You're there to do your best, but also to represent your country. And it's a really powerful, powerful feeling. Racing in a Team USA, uh, kit and then coming as you're about to come uh, across the line the team coach hands you an American flag and you cross Ooh. with it
0: yeah it's really powerful
1: I just got yeah, the chills awesome yeah, I know that's, like, that's so cool
0: what an honor yeah. I mean it's just like it's like being in the Olympics I would consider it to be like at the same caliber almost yeah Yeah.
1: I mean it's me, like it certainly was. <laughs> you're yeah. talking I mean clearly you devote a lot of time to this but it's like you said you started in your 30s and This was kind of like a stress relief release from work and here you are racing for team usa in switzerland like that's yeah that's really cool
2: (laughs) thank you um and you know i think the thing that keeps me going is i look at it and i'm like wow what could i do better and a lot of times they'll say you know running you'll you there's um some people would say that you reach your max peak, um, 10 years after you started your running career. And I just refuse to believe that now, as you get older, certain things happen. And, um, physically, you know, my pace, my, be where it was, but see sports, like swimming and biking that I haven't been doing as long. So efficiency can help me gain what maybe I can't gain because of my age. So
1: what about your relationship with your coach can you talk about that a little bit um, I know you mentioned that you have a coach that
2: yeah. you adore
1: and um, what is yeah. it like to work with a coach that's so focused on you and your success yeah
2: so um, so my coach is Chris Swarthell from Final K um, Sporting Services Chris is amazing I joke that he is um, a long with being a coach and giving me structure and advice, everything from, you know, um, the workouts to, uh, nutrition, to, um, helping me build my new bike. I call him my therapist as well. (laughs) Cause (laughs) when I have that angst the night before the race, I am texting him a million times. I told him he should probably write a book with, Um, the dumb questions triathletes ask, like things that, (laughs) you know, I know I've been doing this for so long and yet I get those same nerves first race. I get the same, um, you know, first race of a season or even the fifth race of the season. Um, And sometimes we forget things or just need a little reminder. Um, So I really, I depend on my coach for a lot of things. I probably text him every day. (laughs) Um, sometimes, you know, we've become friends. He's been my coach for five or six years. So, um, he's seen me go through a lot of, of things, life, um, you know, kids stuff. Um, and I think that having a coach helps you balance your life better. I'm definitely more efficient, you know, when I, um, because there's a, a cost, benefit analysis right it definitely costs money it's not cheap um but i remember saying to my husband the efficiency is a huge win Mm -hmm. as a triathlete um triathletes are notorious for overtraining um because we have three sports to train for um and you never feel like you're doing enough but in fact we probably do too much and then end up harming our bodies so um He'll tell me to pull it back. I can text him in the morning and say, "I'm this is what I'm feeling." Like for instance, I, you know, got a, a mountain bike pedal to the shin last week. He had to go in and change my training plan because I couldn't run. Um, little things like that. Whereas I would probably take a lot longer to analyze what to do, mm-hmm. and he
0: just boom takes that thinking out of it for me. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, Marnie and I are big believers in coaches. I think everyone right. needs, needs a coach at various points yeah. in life and for different things. And so, oh.
2: and actually, that's what I was thinking. You
0: know, just like you
2: guys are coaching people through life, like um, we all at different times of our lives need different types of coaching, right? And
0: um, I think that's really, really important. Absolutely, because sometimes it's a lot easier, to, you know, to give out advice than it is to take it in, and so yeah we could all use a little nudging along the way.
2: Yep. And someone, um, a little further
0: away, um, looking in, um, right. without, yeah. And without judgment and without yeah. you know, that self inner self critic that can sometimes creep up on us. So exactly. So I have to ask, you talked about that your coach provides you, you know, some nutrition advice, obviously the training programs, but what do you, and especially for a woman and it's within your age group, what, how do you feel your body? For this ultimate Um, performance.
2: (laughs) Well, so that is not my strength. I'll start right there. (laughs) Um, Because I've been lucky in that the amount of hours I put in, um, I've been fortunate that I can eat a lot of what I I want to eat. Um, The older I get, though, I definitely am seeing a difference in how my body reacts to things. Um, so actually a couple of years ago, I did my first cleanse, um, and with a couple other triathletes and, and I found since then, I definitely have cut down on sugar, although I'm still chocolate fanatic, yeah. <laughs> um, but just trying to, you know, the whole theory of the outside of the grocery store, yeah. trying to be healthier. Now my kids have food allergies, so things that other people might go to like nuts and, um, things like that are a no, no in my house. So that makes it a little trickier. Um, and, um, my coach really like for me, nutritionally, we talk about how many calories you need when you're racing, what will work for you some supplements such as like having salt in a marathon, um, or longer distance racing. Um, and then I actually just was listening to a book called roar. Um, and, uh, I don't have it here, but she, uh, talks about women, not treating women like tiny little men, um, and what we need to put in our bodies. So. Definitely, I see that as room for improvement. So that's one of my goals.
1: (laughs) Well, we'd be happy to help you out anytime (laughs) with that. Um, So, what would you say is the biggest impact racing's had on your life? Um,
2: probably, um, probably two things. Number one, self confidence, um, because um, I was pretty quiet in high school, I got more outgoing in college, but, um, I never would have expected myself to be out there. And I'm still, I still kind of like to race quietly, right? Like, um, race quietly and, and then hit the podium, like not be all confident and go in. Um, but it has built my confidence. Um, and, and, um, racing is also really about the community to me. I have met so many incredible people that I feel like I would have never had the opportunity to meet. Um, In fact, it's funny, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about my marathon training, right after Boston Marathon, like seven of us got pregnant in the next year, seven women that we had all run together. And we called those kids, the Boston babies. And and now those kids are 21 and 22. And um, a couple of like five of us with our spouses just got together again. um, And we have maintained relationships through sport,
0: um, which is pretty cool um, to be together that long. So Absolutely. Awesome. I mean, community is such a big part of, you know, I think everyone, how you connect with people and your the overall yeah. joy that you have and your happiness and your health. And, and
2: it really crosses, you know, all
0: ages to
2: this community. Um, you know, I, I network with, um, my friend's son, who is a college triathlete. I just, yesterday someone reached out to me because they know someone who wants to be a college triathlete. Um, I served as an ambassador to the USAT foundation, raising money for um, triathlon. Um, uh, and I think because what racing has given me um, so much, like I think it's great to give back um, to the community.
0: Absolutely. That's great. That's so Yeah, that's so cool. So how do you suggest someone, if? gets involved with training or if they want to do their first triathlete triathlon yeah. um, you know what tips do you have for someone that's you know works out but doesn't competitively do any racing or like myself i've always thought oh yeah i would like to do a triathlon and the swimming is what completely scares the hell out yeah of me. um so
2: so the first thing so we'll start we'll go in order of the sport because it's swim bike run so with swimming um I would say going in and taking even one swim lesson, um, there are some great programs. I swim with a group called I Swim Masters um, in Eden Prairie. Um, but there are some other great um, swim programs. The Twin Cities is really lucky to have a lot of them. And if you take a lesson, it will improve your confidence, then it's really about Practice. Um, in fact, here's another funny story. My very first triathlon where I did the whole thing, um, we finished the race, and my husband said, Did you all see all those people in the lake like fake swimming because it was so shallow? And I laughed. I said, Yeah, I was one of them. I was walking <laughs> and like doing the arms. <laughs> like, why not? <sighs> so um, I've come a long way, but really it's about putting the time in. And then I think. I I like a master's group because there's still coaching. So technique, and I find since swimming isn't my favorite, um, that getting in the pool with others holds you accountable. Um, This summer might be a little different. So with everything going on, and then I would encourage people even to get in the lake and um, just, you know, start with a couple strokes, get your head up. My dad did, his first race, and half of it was side stroke and back stroke. I yes. thought my mom was
1: going to die, but, um, but he be did me. it.
2: Be <laughs> yeah,
1: but he did it. I did um, a lot of mine doing breaststroke, because the swim is really why I stopped doing triathlons, because it just freaked me out so much in the lake with all those people, and yeah. the bike yeah. and the run were fine, but it was the swim that just put me over the edge. Mm.
2: Yeah, and, and I think that that's why it's, it's good to practice. And it is, you're right, Marnie, in that a lot of people, it's a different kind of swim. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even practicing, um, like I'll go out and swim with my husband and I'll swim right at the back of his feet. So I practice, what's it like to have someone in front of me? Um, Cause that happens. You get, right. it feels like a washing machine. Like you jumped in. Yeah, <laughs> <So>. Right. <laughs> Um, so, and then, um, with biking, um, I think the best advice I have is don't go out and buy a new bike right away. Um, Mm -hmm. use what you have. My first race bike, my husband and I both raced on the same bike. It was my brother-in-law's road bike with down tube shifters. Um, and we still have that bike now it's our commuter bike, but, um, you don't need all the fancy gear to do this sport. You just need to be willing to go out and, and, give it a try um so and biking is really just again about being comfortable um and being comfortable it's going out there and doing it for usually a sprint race is probably 12 miles um so knowing that you're going to need to go at least 12 miles on a bike um and people do it on mountain bikes um you know road bikes hybrid bikes um and then running um You know, most of us can run, but I would say if you're going to do your first triathlon, the thing that gets most triathletes is we call it a brick where you're going from the bike to the run. So I highly suggest that you practice transitioning from your bike to your run. And that's kind of a short answer for that. um, But there's a lot of practice that goes into it. Yeah, no, that's very helpful. Thank you.
1: Would you recommend someone starts with a marathon or a triathlon?
2: Oh, I think you can jump right into triathlon. Um, In fact, my sister did her first Ironman without never ever having done a marathon. She looked at my marathons and said, I don't need to do one genetically. I know I could. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) um, But I think, you know, I I think you need to prep your body to be able to run most um, sprint Parathlons are about three miles Mm -hmm. and you can run, walk it. Um, But there are a lot of great programs out there like um, online that you can look up as far as building a base to be able to run three miles. But just know that that comes at the end of your swim and bike. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you think the whole thing is going to take a couple hours, maybe practice being active for a couple hours
0: that's great advice. Well, I still have it on my bucket list, so we'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe, awesome. twi- maybe
1: 2021, the art of living well, we'll do a uh, triathlon.
0: That's awesome. a great goal, Marnie. I, I, I'm I serious. I'll help you guys. Yeah. <laughs> and I
1: will. we'll will be reaching out to you, Laura, to be our coach. <laughs> <laughs> New business for you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as we wrap up the interview, we always like to ask our guests, uh, what does the art of living well mean to you? I guess the art of
2: living well to me, um, is really about being the best person that I can be. Um, and for me, sport has helped me do that specifically triathlon, helping me with my community my kids know that I'm a better mom when I get a workout in and a cup of coffee. <laughs> um, and then learning, um, which I'm still learning, to fuel my body to set me up for success. Um, all of that. And I still see opportunity um, in my 50s to improve
1: my sport and athletic life. That's wonderful. I mean, that, that's so inspiring for people that think, oh, I'm 45, I can't do this. Like, I'm too old for this. Yeah. No, I think,
2: um, and I think that now with everything going on, it's really important for us
0: to get out and move, whatever mm-hmm. your moving is, so. Absolutely. And I love just the comment that you're a better mom. <laughs> when you've had your workout in, and especially I think for a lot of newer moms out there, like take the time for yourself because you're yeah. really, for the mental state and the stress relief and all the things you talked about early on in this conversation.
1: Yeah. And how can our listeners find you if they want to learn more about you?
2: Sure. Um, so the best way to um, find me is on Instagram. It's Laura sports rocks is my handle. Um, okay. And I post about um, my athletic endeavors. Sometimes my family, sometimes um, products that I've been um Using or um, sponsors. So
0: great. great. Well, thank you so much. This was a very inspiring conversation.
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank and, you guys uh, for having me. Have a great day.
0: Yeah, you guys too. Thanks. Bye, Laura. Thanks. Bye.
1: We are so excited that we created these fabulous new products for our listeners to support our podcast.
0: Yeah, we have two new recipe books, and one is curated for families. So there's lots of family-friendly recipes that both kids and adults will love. I've made these recipes for my family, and everyone enjoys them. And then we have a second recipe book for those that want plant-based foods. And maybe you're already eating vegan, or maybe you're just trying to incorporate more vegetables and plants into your diet. They both have shopping lists, and they're made with ingredients that you can find at almost any grocery store. You don't need to go to like a specialty store to find these ingredients.
1: And we also created a Minneapolis healthy restaurant guide, and we're really excited about it. We wanna support our local restaurants, and um, it's really meant for you to find little gems in town that maybe you didn't know about. It gives you a chance to eat healthy out in a restaurant. Um, The food is delicious at these places. They're sourcing local sustainable foods. And we're just really excited to support our local healthy restaurant community.
0: And then the last product that we created is our favorite Art of Living Well podcast water bottle. It's 24 ounces. You may have heard us talk about this on stories. Um, because it serves both hot and cold beverages. There's a straw, you can use it or use it without the straw, and it's perfect for on the go, at home, wherever, and it will help keep you hydrated. So we'd love for you to try our products and support our podcast. As our listeners, you can head on over to our website, which is www.theartoflivingwell.us products and order yours today, maybe even give one as a gift.
1: And also just to let you know, we priced all of these products um, pretty low so that everybody could enjoy them. $7 per guide, $20 for the water bottle, and we'd love your support. Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us today. If you enjoyed
0: this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media.
1: If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at the Art of Living underscore well on Instagram and Facebook, where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well.